Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's uh, version of Spirituality Out Loud. This week, I am so excited. We have George Cow. George is a business coach who is a champion for generosity in business and honesty in marketing. Instead of salesy and predatory tactics that we've probably all experienced as consumers, he has coached many clients since 2009, and he offers his comprehensive content for free through his website, www.georgecow.com. He is the author of the book, Authentic Content Marketing, Build an Engaged Audience for Your Personal Brand Through Integrity and Generosity. And um, he is also my own personal coach, so it's really exciting to have him here and to get to learn a little bit more about your personal journey. So welcome, George. Thank you, Leslie. This yeah. is so fun for me. And I'll tell you, I, we talked about this before. I, I, I get invited to do some podcasts and I actually um, don't do most of the podcast invitations that I get invited to. But this, with the topic that you raised felt so interesting and important and meaningful to me that I'm excited to kind of get the message out about this. So, yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing about it is, so um, I highly recommend if you are interested to go check out George's work and I will put all of the information and how to get a hold of him in the liner notes. And I don't know that I really know what your spiritual take is because you talk a lot about authenticity and you talk a lot about these, what I consider to be spiritual ideas, but you don't actually ever name, not that I know of. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't hear all your content, but I don't know that you name things. Uh -huh. So I'm really excited to hear kind of your journey, yeah. right? Yeah. So where we start here is how you grew up. What, mm -hmm. um, were you, were you raised with a religion? Were you raised with spirituality? Were you not? And what was your experience of that? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll say this. I, I, I do think that how we're raised uh, in terms of our religion or spirituality has like a lifelong impact on how we see things. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Like, for example, a lot of people who are raised, you know, Christians, um, no matter whether they stay there or go away, they'll always have that worldview inform in some way, like the way they see things or the way they, even the way they learn or the way they kind of put um, meaning to, to life. Um, not necessarily in that religion or not, but it's like, just like, you know, certain religions are more structured. Other religions are more maybe more sort of charismatic or heart-based and, you know, so it's, that's a great question. So I was raised, um, in, in Taiwan where the religion was, um, well, there's of course, in, as any country, there's lots of religions, but the one that was very common in, in Taipei, the capital city, at least among my, my family, um, extended family was, um, 
Now, now I, I, I used to call it Buddhist, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that the Buddhism that we know in the West is necess- not necessarily the Buddhism that you encounter in the East. Like people go, Buddhism, oh yeah, that's, you know, meditation and Zen and, you know, uh, Eightfold Path and all that stuff, right? But the Buddhism I was ra- raised with was very different. It was more like ancestral worship interestingly like it was we had an altar with our great great grandfather like at home and like incense burning all the time um and that was just normal like you walk into uh homes of people like like me and lots again lots of our friends and family had had these altars and just you know the smell of incense and there's food being offered on the altars you know and the picture of how many generations ago the, the whatever the first picture we had was really of, of the ancestor. And uh, we also had statues of various gods, deities in our home. And like, there, I remember very clearly there was a deity like who held this, this, this weapon and was like very fierce looking. And I'm sure now if I look back, there's like so much meaning behind each deity, like what that, what that symbolizes in life or whatnot. But back then I just thought it was kind of, kind of weird and cool to have these different deities and oh the most um maybe the most revered deity in taiwan at the time maybe still now is uh guan yin guan yin you know uh, people call it guan yin or guan guan yin pusa was the chinese way of saying it It it's this um this woman who well actually it's interesting we usually think of her as a woman but now i'm not so sure that she is was only like she was very androgynous actually the, the pictures of her but she had long hair um and it was like the mother of compassion and just like that's all i remember to be honest and I, I, now you know the last few decades that i've been in the west i've heard of guanyin a few times and some people really revere her as well as as a symbol of love and forgiveness and gentleness and kind of wanting to save others you know we might say like a two on the enneagram actually <laughs> there you go. Yeah. so uh, leslie and i both uh know something about the enneagram and anyway and i'm uh, a two yeah <laughs> leslie's a two so you you should you, you'll reckon you'll you'll re- resonate with guanyin a lot yeah, yeah. so yeah so that's how i grew up and so what we did was we went to temple uh on a regular basis um maybe well not like every weekend or but maybe like once a month or once every couple months and we would we would be taught to you know hold an incense and and pray but it wasn't a prayer it wasn't going to temple to meditate you know it wasn't about spiritual development it was prayer that we would get good grades or that you know our our family's uh money situation would be good and that we would be healthy and so and so has a problem in their life like like it was like asking the deities and literally these temples would have different um corners different like you go to a temple and then there would be different rooms with different deities and so you would take the incense uh and you'd have to you know keep lighting it but you go to a d- different room with a different deity that this, this deity is all about wealth this deity is all about health this deity is about getting good grades or whatever it is and we would go to that deity and, and pray for that that thing we want 
So, so it that's was, how um, it was instructed for you, though. Yes. Like you were told yes. that this is what you're doing. It wasn't yes. like you were a child and decided. Right. You know, a right. lot of a lot of kids do that, right? It's this Santa Clausy type of prayer, yeah. right? Yeah, that was what we were we were instructed. And actually, thinking back now, I mean, in, in now that I'm a bit more, um, I've read a little bit more about sort of world religion. I think it might be some kind of mix between Taoism and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. That's how I grew up when I was, and I came to the state. We we immigrated to the states from Taiwan uh, to the United States when I was about seven years old, and so once I got here, we uh, shortly moved to Orange County, California, which those those of you who don't know is like one of the conservative uh, bastions of America, uh, you know, Republican, evangelical, con- evangelical Christian. And um, in junior high, I got converted to evangelical Christianity. By choice or from the family or how did that happen? Uh, no, no. So my, my parents still to this day are actually, they're, I think they're kind of mixed up now but, but, uh, because they've been in the West so long. Um, but no, it wasn't by, from my parents. It was from my, 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 my brothers, what, one of my brothers who uh, got converted, you know, while hanging out with some classmates or whatever, and then kind of converted me. Uh, t- I remember being taken to like a Billy Graham type of event, you know, the kind of Christian rah-rah, like, all right, if you, uh, if you felt something, you know, come to, come to the front, come to the, you know, like kind of like an altar call where they, you go to the front and you get like blessed and, you know, they pray over you and like they tell you what to, you know, to read this little pamphlet to say that you're giving your life over to Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. What was your experience of that? Were you excited about it or oh, just yeah. like whatever? Oh, yeah. no, no. It, it was, it was, you know, one of the things that I, I think a lot of, you know, non-Christians don't realize is that Christians put on a great event. Like evangelicals know how to inspire. Yeah. They, they yeah. make really good salespeople too, I would say, you know, but, but they, they know how to, I mean, awesome music. Like, mm-hmm. like those of you who don't know, like you should go, go, you know, go check out some contemporary Christian music. Like it's, it's rocking. It's really good stuff, you know, and like even worship, like singing about Jesus and God, like, like they, they, it's really modern, modern sound, you know? Um, even now, sometimes I'll like turn on Pandora and go to like the Christian rock station because it's just uplifting modern music that sometimes talks about Jesus. But which, as you might be able to tell, I'm no longer—I uh, wouldn't no longer call myself an, an evangelical Christian. And I don't know, maybe there are some friends and family hearing this who are like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I haven't really talked about this, like like you've said, I haven't really been public about this, even though. I haven't tried to hide it either. Just haven't had an opportunity. So, and I, I don't want to offend anybody. That's the other yeah. thing, right? Because I still have some good friends and family who are very evangelical. And I will say that um, I am so grateful. So I was evangelical Christian from, uh, you know, high school, mid junior high school through most of college. And so those are my formative years of like becoming uh, like a knowledgeable adult in, in the world or whatever. And, and so a lot of my philosophy really came from the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. my real philosophy, like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to understand concepts and learn. And so I'll, I'll say this. I think I, I'm so grateful for my time as a Christian because 
of the heart opening that I had there, which is, mm. which is interesting because a lot of people think fundamental, it, by the way, I should say, for those who don't know, evangelical Christian is a particular denomination, you know, there are, or a particular group of denominations. Like there are, you may have heard of Methodists or Episcopal, Episcopalians, um, Episcopalians, I would not call them evangelicals. Methodists, those are what's called mainline Christianity, which is more liberal-minded, open-minded, like not necessarily Jesus is the only way you have to confess your sins and claim him as Lord to be saved kind of, kind of Christians, interestingly. Mm -hmm. But evangelical Christians are some Presbyterians, some Baptists, Luther, some Lutherans, and fundamentalists, and also some charismatic Christianity. Uh, so I, I equate in my mind, I equate evangelical and fundamentalist Christianity as one. I would have mm -hmm. called myself fundamentalist Christian, like proudly so, mm -hmm. actually, because uh, I would say, yes, we are all about the fundamentals. The mm -hmm. Bible is the word mm -hmm. of God, the inerrant, literal word of God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I grew up in that way. I mean, in, in my former years, uh, it, again, Republican Orange County, I, I thought Reagan was like the, the man. Like he was like, he is the right and, and Democrats, like Democrats, like demons, like they're, they're bad. You know, <laughs> like, like, like Democrats are okay. bad, like liberal people, like they just don't care about the fundamentals of what's mm -hmm. right and true and straight and straight and narrow. And yeah, that's how I, <laughs> that's how I was raised. Is, I would never have guessed. Yeah. But, but ironically, um, even despite that kind of seemingly strict ways of walking the world, there is a tremendous amount of heart opening that was happening within those communities of, I mean, the music was just brought you, I mean, literally sometimes to your knees in um, the beauty of the message of well, God, you know, you are unconditionally loved because you're a Christian. Okay. You're, you're, you're saved. Like all of your sins are forgiven. Like you can't do anything wrong as long as you keep trying to come back to God. Like it's, mm. it's all going to be good. And that, we are taught to love others. You know, it's like, it's, it's a wonderful message to be honest. It's like, we're taught to be honest, to be generous, to have integrity, uh, to be, to be continually trying to save people. <laughs> you know? And a community, right? You had this big community. And, and, and wonderful community. Like yeah. I, I, I really think that there are few places in the, in, in the world really where you find such brotherhood, sisterhood, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I'm really grateful. I like, and, and when people are Christians, I'm like, bless you. Wonderful. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's great. <laughs> you know, like if you, if you love it, it's great. You know, and some people feel straightjacketed by it and maybe that's not right for them, but some people are like, I really thrive here. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I have, I know a lot of people who have found so much fulfillment in that path and, yeah. and I love that. And, yeah. um, You've just said so many things that I want to talk about. One of the things, since you have both, it's really interesting. You talked about how what you were raised in really um, for uh, uh, it, like it formats how you think and how you see, yes. right? And yes. one of the things I think that happens in Christianity is it's a dualist, right? Black yes. and white. It's yes. a good or evil, right? Yeah. But it's not in the Buddhism. It's not as much. I mean, yes. you have some saints, so you have a yes. little bit of, but, and do you think that you, I don't know if this is true. Do you hold a gray? Like, would it be easier to hold the truth of gray 
right? That not everything is black and white, not everything is true or false. With the idea of being raised in a place where you had all of these deities. I mean, does that, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but it's Mm -hmm. an interesting idea to me that part of the reason we're so yes or no, or, you know, is this Christianity black and white thinking? Yeah, there's only one God and you either believe or don't believe. You're either a believer or not (laughs) non-believer. It's always the toggle and that it's not so much a toggle switch in the Eastern philosophy. Right, right? exactly. Yes, I, I think that in the religion I grew up in, like, it wasn't about whether you're saved or not, which is again a dualistic concept, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in evangelical evangelicalism, it's like if you've if you've confessed your sins, like in your heart you believe Jesus is Lord, then you're saved, no matter what a bad person you are. Like literally, this the idea is you can do evil your entire life, and if on your deathbed you confess Jesus is Lord, you know, please forgive me of my sins, you'll be you'll go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like evangelical Christians have to admit to that because that's mm-hmm. what the theology is. And and but in in you know in in the uh, the deist uh, the Taoist Buddhist religion I grew up in, it wasn't like that. It was the more well, it was works based. Like the more good good things you did for others, the more likely you'll reincarnate mm-hmm. as with more wealth or or you know opportunities or you know be better looking or whatever it may be, you know, like, like I <laughs> have, have more privilege basically. I didn't in the know world. you're going to be better looking. Hey, let him in. <laughs> let him in. <laughs> and no, and then if you, yeah, yeah. if you aren't, if you don't do good as, as good of things, um, you'll reincarnate as an animal. Like they are mm. always like the scaring us. Oh, you're reincarnated as a pig or as a, as a cockroach or something. If you keep doing that kind of thing. So yeah, it was, it was more a, a scale of, badness to goodness you might say um but so what happened was um i I think like i said growing up with that kind of idea of reincarnation and sort of multiple gods did allow me to exit my christian phase more easily than if i had completely grown up as a christian obviously so tell me about that yeah right i mean it sounds like you were pretty I mean, entrenched sounds, but you yeah. were in, you had a yeah. community, oh, you yeah. do this thing. And, yes. and then, so how does that, what is this, what yeah. did something occur? How did this yeah. switch happen? So what was interesting is that I, I actually have to, again, give credit to Christianity again for this, because I got so into being a Christian that I really tried my best to embody the values. And one of the values is the zealous search for truth and as well as the open heartedness to be compassionate to others. And that combination being in a college environment made me be willing to listen to others stories about their spiritual journeys. And what started happening was as I listened to other spiritual and part of the reason was because I was trying to convert them. And so one way to convert someone is to start talking about their, their religion and spiritual journey and see if I could somehow persuade them to, to turn to Jesus kind of thing. And, but again, thank, thank God for Christianity, the, the idea of you know, truth-seeking, open-heartedness meant that I was, and humility, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Humility meant that I had to listen. I had to truly listen to somebody's spiritual journey 
And what happened was I started hearing multiple spiritual journeys that didn't correlate with what I was being taught in church and what I couldn't find in the Bible, Christian Bible. And so I had to then go, wait a minute. My humility, my willingness to to really seek the truth uh, openly. And also, I was trying to convert one of my professors. (laughs) And you go big. (laughs) Yeah. And he gave me this concept that forever changed my life. He said, George, your earnest search for the truth is a wonderful thing. But in the search for truth, you have got to be willing sometimes to be uncertain. Because if you are certain, it means you only have a set of eyeglasses that you're seeing, like you have, a ro- you have red colored glasses, you're seeing everything as red or green or whatever it may be. And, and, and that's certainty, that's glued to your face. But if you're not willing to take off those glasses, oh, this is the green colored glasses, let me try the red ones, or let me try the blue ones or the yellow ones, or let me try just a non-color, like you'll never be able to see more colors in the world and what more truth there is in the world. And so he said, are you open to being uncertain to see what happens? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yes, the, the, the humility of Christ and the sort of the yearn, yearn, yearning for truth means that I do need to be open to uncertainty. And what happened was I started being more, I started like browsing the uh, used bookstores of, of my college town and the spirituality sections. And I started, my mind was blown. I'm like, wow, these concepts, these stories, these ways of being and thinking are not taught in my church. And what does that mean, therefore? And, and, I, um, and then I entered into a phase where I got really scared for like two years that I was going to hell. Yeah, I bet. I was re- because, again, everybody around me, you know, I, was, I situated myself among a circle of friends who were all brothers and sisters, brothers in Christ. And gosh, if I don't believe this anymore, does that mean I'm going to hell? You know? Yeah. Because it was about belief, evangelicals. You know, it's not about works, it's about belief. Gratefully, I did come across some books that um, over time gave me a, a, a different view of spiritual growth. I have to credit the author M. Scott Peck. He, um, his most popular book was called The Road Less Traveled. It was really popular in the 80s and 90s. And then I read all of his books, basically. And one of his books was called In Heaven as on Earth, which was his kind of fictional account of the afterlife. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And I guess Scott, I mean, uh, Scott Peck, the, this author, is technically a Christian, but now I realize he's, he's mainline Christian. So he was much more liberal and open-minded about it. So I think he, uh, reading his books really helped to um, allow me to see other, other ways and, and study other ways. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a couple things that really stood out in that. Um, this idea of open to uncertainty. Yeah. I got to yeah. say, you, you teach that as a principle in your work. I don't know if you hold that that way, but there is. It's like important in marketing too. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, right? Like you do const, like you've been doing your work for a really long time. And so one of the things you keep doing is like question, is this still true? Is this yeah. true? So you're constantly, yeah. you know, a lot of these people, that, you know, other marketing or whatever, the work that you do, it's like, I am certain this is right. And That's you right. do hold it open, palms, yes. which yes. is hard, right? Yeah. I, I do want to concretize things. Um, 
So it's interesting that I don't know if you think about it that way, but you're still doing yeah. that today. Yeah. Um, and just the idea that you are such a seeker. Yeah. Right? Like you even had your answer, but you still spent time, space, and energy going and saying, okay, like let's go research. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so, but for why? Like, yeah. why do you think, because you were just interested in it or because well, you wanted to convert people better or because now you just needed to hold this uncertainty you had? Like, yeah. what was that? Well, because I became convinced, and again, this is probably thanks to Christianity, that the question of what happens after we die is maybe the most important question a human being can grapple with. Mm. Um, because my God, this, we're going to, we're all going to die. And mm-hmm. so what happens afterwards? I like, that's really scary. I, and, and, you know, I, I still, I still have friends who are really, really scared of dying. Mm. Um, most people, most in people cult, in the Western culture, yeah. most, most people yeah. are because there's, well, of course there's the pain of dying, which of course is scary on its own. But then what happens afterwards? Like, do you just kind of fall asleep and there's nothingness um, or do you feel trapped or what, what, what's going on? And, and what about, what, what does that mean therefore and how we live today? And um, so because of that urgency of discovering what that is, because of course I was scared of going to hell. I'm like, is there a way out of this? Yeah. I think that's a really big one. And, and so I became at one point, I would call a post-Christian. Mm. Okay. And I think a lot yeah. of people, Maybe increasingly, mm-hmm. there are a lot of so-called post-Christians, maybe, which are, who are struggling because mm. I didn't know what to do and where to go. And maybe hopefully listening you know, to your podcast will encourage people and help them see other ways of uh, finding a comfort. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's, I guess so, that's... So you've left the church. Yes. Um, and then... Then what? Like what was there a, an event that happened or was it like a yeah. slowly moving away? Mm-hmm. Um, was there a death in your life that then mm. made you worried about death? Uh, no, or there, was it there just wasn't. the dialogue? There, yeah, it was more of a, I mean, there were like deaths of kind of distant family members that I didn't, wasn't close to. I mean, honestly, even to this very day, I, I guess I'm still very either blessed or, or sheltered in the way that I haven't had anyone close to me die yet. Mm. I don't know what the grieving will, will be like, but um, another area of literature that made a big difference for me was reading about near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. So around the time I was reading Scott Peck, I also started, I also read uh, another popular book back then was Betty Eady's Embraced by the Light. Mm-hmm. And she really made near-death experiences mainstream back in the 80s um, and 90s. And, um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I, I read Scott Peck and, and, and Betty Eady even while I was a Christian. So that already started to kind of open my heart a bit more to other way, possibilities. But both, both authors are, are Christians. And Betty Eady's in her, in her near-death experience, she talked a lot about Jesus being the Lord and, and everything. She wasn't evangelical, but... That was like the main figure in her near-death experience. And, but, but eventually I started reading more and more and more. And then I came to read about near-death experiences of non-Christians. And my God, even non-Christians are seeing heaven. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, like maybe 
maybe it's going to be okay, you know. And, and even some Christians are seeing hell because there's also less than pleasant near-death experiences, the minority of them. And then I, being in a college town meant there were a lot of spiritual places to check out. So I checked out like Unitarian Universalism. So that was really my next kind of phase was being a Unitarian Universalist and like, ah, oh, yes, it's, it's all good. You know, all paths lead to God. And, um, you know, we don't, the most important thing is being, making a world a better place and let the spirituality go towards that, you know. That's interesting. So maybe you, you heard, you know, uh, these two authors because they were Christian, right? So yeah, you were allowed exactly. to, right. to, they had the same language, they had yes. the same entry point, but a yes. much softer version right? yeah. uh, and yes. a little more access to it. And then, and then, yeah, so then you got to the universalist. Interesting. My question is what it, what is it? How is your, how is your spiritual life today? Do you, so, I mean, yeah. It, 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 one of the things I find interesting is how does it show up? Like, uh-huh. do you have a practice? Does it, uh-huh. does it show up at work? Does it yeah. show up in your family? Like, yeah. you know, what does it look like today? Um, I am so grateful that I feel like I have a real relationship with God right now. And it's so ironic because again, um, what, what am I right now? I don't know, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't pray to Jesus. Um, I see Jesus as uh, a master and maybe, maybe he is, has some special status in the afterlife or something with earth, but I definitely feel a very intimate relationship with God. Um, I pray all the time, like just throughout the day, I'll just be talking to God, you know, like, thank you. Like a lot of gratitude happens. Um, I'll be walking along and I'll just say it, you know, thank you God for, um, for whatever it is is on my mind. And um, the way it shows up in my life is that I feel like spirituality is making the core function that it plays in my life has basically two, uh, I, I see it as having two functions. One is it gives me this profound security about life and about what happens afterwards. Uh, so I've, I've developed, having read different things, I kind of developed my own version of what I think happens in the afterlife. And it's not my own version. I'm sure lots of people believe something similar. But I, I literally... Like my faith has never been stronger about the unseen world, not currently measurable by science, but I think one day scientific instruments will be able to measure stuff. Um, I mean, come on, there's, you know, science, science is there's something like what, 80 to 90% dark matter. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, you mean stuff you guys don't know what it is yet? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like 96% of reality's dark matter is what science knows right now, right? What does that mean? Uh, and um, so I have this, it's so funny, my faith today is stronger in the afterlife and spirituality than when I was a staunch Christian. Mm. And there's something that I think a lot of evangelical Christians are only willing to admit to, like when you're really in a private conversation with them, when they're really willing to trust you, is that they're scared that what they believe isn't true. Mm. I was one of those, and I know lots of my friends, which is why there's such a big field in evangelicalism called apologetics, which is apologetics means learning how to persuade others and persuade yourself that 
the Bible is true and that the worldview of Christianity is, is the only worldview and the only way. But there's a lot of doubt. There's profound doubt that maybe this isn't true. Like maybe we're, um, and that's what, I think that's what tends to happen when you are so certain. It's kind of like the, the, the branch that is completely only, you know, not flexible and not, can't bend in the wind will break. It has a risk of breaking. Whereas the, 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 the branch that is able to sway with the wind doesn't tend to break because it's mm-hmm. willing to be flexible. And, and, One and of the incorporate, things yeah. That I'm curious about is this idea um, one is external rules. Yeah. Right? You're being told yes. this is what it is, this yes, is what yes, it is. Yes, yes. Right. And the and what you're describing is you have come to it. That's right. You internally, yes. the answers That's are right. internally. And because they're internal, they're more they're stronger, they're deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way of thinking. And and also I think that if you like the bow, I think if you deny doubt, or if you're not allowed to have doubt, something that's human and that's real right. in there, yes. that, that, that the denying of the thing makes it stronger, right? It's the shadow. Yeah. It's, the, yes. it's that work that, it, that, that if you would just say, yes, it's a little scary. Yes. Yeah. Mother Teresa had fear. She did it anyway, right? There's faith. Yeah. yeah. And it, but it's those ideas that then will break you, right? That's that right. which is not owned. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, you're absolutely right. Because I have developed my own philosophy from my own experiences and, edu- and sort of my own personal readings and conversations, it makes a lot more sense to me. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. And so mm-hmm. therefore, I'm feeling very good about it. And so that, that's like the one function spirituality has is sort of making me feel so secure about life and about everything and about love, unconditional love, like the reality of it, that I think I, 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 it seems to me like when someone finally comes to be no longer afraid of death and to realize that they are forever loved, that everything becomes, honestly becomes, life becomes easier. I don't know. Because like, it's almost like no matter what happens to me in life, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And I didn't feel that way in the past, you know? And so so that's one function, which has such a profound implications that show up in all kinds of ways. Like I don't always have to get my way. You know, that's a big deal in relationships, especially. And you know, like, like, no, like everything's optional. Like everything's cool. Like everything's optional. It's okay. You don't have to live life like the way I want you to live it or whatever. Um, And this, and the second function is that I think it is continually, um, working to make me a better person like i i believe one of the big purposes of life is for me anyway is to learn about different virtues and learn what it means to embody them in my in my in my life and so it's just kind of like it's forming and and developing my conscience mm-hmm. uh that's what my i think spirituality does so what does honesty really mean what does integrity mean what does generosity really mean what does humility really mean what does courage really mean and it's it's so interesting um i have some family members who are atheist and uh-huh. and and they yet still embody all of these things you're yeah. saying yeah and for me the idea that they're not doing any of these to yeah. get out of hell right is even more virtuous right they, they yes don't, they're not trying to avoid right. pain <laughs> yeah. right by right. doing they're doing things. it because they believe it's the right thing to do 
and it's just such a and, and so that's also you like you're you're yeah. not trying to um come you're not trying to do that and so instead it's more virtuous for you to show up in that way yeah. and it's again it's the deeper more personal yes right yeah, yeah. it's no. really interesting yeah it is i i mean and, and the thing is i think you're right that all of us i hope we can find a philosophy that uh, really nourishes and encourages us to become a better version of who we are, you know? And I think when spirituality doesn't really do that um, is when I get concerned about a particular path. Like, for example, there are, there's, a, there's a strain of Christianity that says, God wants you to be rich. Like, like, like right? Like financial wealth is a awesome. symbol is a symbol that God is thinking you're doing the right things in life. Like the rich people are, are basically on the path of God. Right. And so that's, or on the other hand, of course, there's also the, the, the worldview that poverty is the path to God and the, the poor people are the most virtuous ones. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, 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 um, we, I, I just hope that we can all come to a spirituality that allows us to become more, holistic about the virtues and develop the complexity of our ethics, maybe. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this, right? I just love the dialogue yes. that it's within the dialogue that this yes. happens for me, for yes. me. Yes. Um, so one of the things that's curious to me is that you've done, if anyone knows George's story, you've done something particularly interesting, which is you had this career, you built this practice, you did this, were highly successful in all of the ways in which you were told to do that yeah. and making lots of money and having lots yeah. of attention and essentially blew it up. Yeah. Essentially said, this is not okay with me internally. Right. And, and said, okay, how do I change this? And that, that turning point, that idea is, sounds terrifying, <laughs> right? Yeah. Except if you have your belief. Yeah. Right, all is love. Yes, this is what are we here for? Right, yes. and so with your basis of what you've just told me, that action makes the most sense. Mm. And I don't know if you put those two things together, yeah. or if those two things have anything to do with each other. I love it. My dog oh, yes. is barking. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. I love dogs. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you for mentioning that. I, um, in the beginning of my business, 2009 and 2010. 12, 13 ish, I was uh, learning from some marketing experts and business experts that were all about this, the, the lavish lifestyle, six figure, seven figure incomes. And I was able to parrot their strategies into my own financial success. And then came to this realization over time as I became conscious of the disconnect, the dissonance between my spiritual growth. And my business actions, what's interesting was subconsciously I started to sabotage my business. Mm, yeah. And so I remember this one month, the low point, and they will find this ridiculous, everyone listening will find this ridiculous, but, but it's all relative, right? I got to a point where I was only making $20,000 that month. 
yeah. Like, yeah, you don't like, want oh to say God. that to me. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> no, but there are these. You know, yeah, like, no, I, I get like, oh it. God, I get it. Happened? No, no, no. Yeah. And, and, and so I decided like that was, like I said, I, I, ironic that that was my low point. And so I decided to say, you know what? Something's wrong. I really have to look inside and see how I'm doing these things. Grateful for that. And at that point, I stopped my business and my income did drop way below that um, for, for a little while because I had to figure out, reinvent how I was doing business. And um, I'm just, I had to just, I was flailing around really like 2013, flailing around. 2014 finally started to say, what if I gave away my knowledge instead of keeping all of it in these $2,000 training courses? 2014, I gave away my knowledge. 2015, I started doing it uh, like on YouTube and Facebook and being more intentional about it. And of course, now I realize that, my gosh, there is a path, even in business, where you're supposed to be, well, the way that we, are, we think business is supposed to work is being cutthroat and you know, being all about me and all about profit, 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 that, wow, there is a way to align generosity, integrity, and actually develop a relationship with one's audience of trust. Like imagine that, like you, yeah. like the audience actually trusts you rather than um, you having to persuade them to do something. And so, um, I, yeah, just like you said, you know, the, the spirituality is kind of finally starting to align with my business action. Yeah, it's really interesting as I come from the other way, which is uh -huh. give it away, give it away, give it away, yeah, right? Service, yeah. service, service. Yeah. Never asking. Yes. And and I, I have to say, so I'm trying to find this balance of yes. there is good for my clients to pay. Mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. it's energy, oh, yeah. that it's important, that it's about their intention, right? Yes. Oh, and yes. so finding these ground but like in my head, right? I'm not being of service, I'm not being spiritual, my mm. whole thing is about being of service. And yeah. so to really, I grapple with that right? yes. of like, I am being of service. My, my goal is to be of highest service to my yes. clients. I yes. know the work. I know yes. how to do that. Yes. And then to say, ah, but you gotta, gotta give me money. And yeah. so it, it, it works with my spiritual life. Like it's yes. a really, it's the line I keep walking and it's the yeah. growth I have to do. It is. It um, is. And I so honor you for, I think you're coming from the right place, bottom line, honestly, ironically saying bottom line, but you really are coming from the right place. And I, I bet probably a lot of people listening to this uh, have, have the experience that you have, like give, 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 but then maybe neglecting one's own sustainability, right? Mm -hmm. And the way I want to think about it and just, you know, maybe this is a far longer conversation, but I'll just say a little bit is that... Um, there's a couple of realities. Like the one large reality is that in the spiritual, eternal realms, I don't think there is money. I don't think there is, hey, I'm only going to serve you if you pay me kind of thing because it is unconditional love in the eternal realms. But for some reason, we have been put here in a boundaried realm with limitations and with time management, you know, like, like there's not unlimited time. Like there is in the afterlife, quote unquote, uh, and there's limited resources, unlike the afterlife where everything is completely abundant, but it's kind of like we go into the, into a gym and lift weights. We, we 
intentionally put weights on our bodies to become stronger. And I feel like there's something about being here and learning how to manage time and manage our money, um, being both personally sustainable and yet not being greedy, which is the total balance. And it's hard. It's, it's really hard. That um, makes us stronger in our spirit in some way. And in terms of like taking money from others or asking others money, you know, some, sometimes we are doing work that isn't yet mainstream enough where people easily go, well, of course I should be paying you for that. Well, you came in, you know, you're a, you're a plumber. You came and fixed my, my, you know, my toilet. Of course I'm supposed to pay you for that. But maybe one in the past, you know, in the village days or whatever, tribal days, people did fix your plumbing without you paying them because it was just part of the village. And now, unfortunately, we're not part of that village anymore. And it's a global village. Mm-hmm. And the way that we give to each other in this global village is money. It's yeah. not the it's not it's not, it's not ideal, but it's how we do it, you know. And and sometimes we forget. And 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 so I think when we when we ask money from somebody else, and we feel that you know what this is a right uh, price for what you know the energy and the time I'm spending. This is a right price to charge mm-hmm. for it. We are giving somebody else the opportunity to reciprocate and be generous in their way towards us. And that opportunity to be generous is actually, as you've mentioned, it's important for people to say, yes, I actually want to invest my money and my energy with you because I want this transformation in my life that you, Leslie, provide to me, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I do believe it's my spiritual work, right? Like you get a calling and my spiritual work is to stand up and receive. Yes. And, you know, and your spiritual work is the same, like how to give and it's just it's all working yes. in perfect alignment for our healing yes yes you know yeah. as frustrating as that can be sometimes yeah um so i want to be mindful of time i just have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for taking the time yeah um yeah uh is there anything uh any final notes or anything that you would like to say or didn't say that you have an opportunity now? Well, I'll just, um, I'll just say that I, I do believe this to be true, that we are all profoundly cared for by life, by the universe, by a force that's much greater than we can imagine, uh, infinitely loved and infinitely secure. And that no matter where we are on our path, it is an important place to be that we're going to look back at this moment in our life and in our journey and say, that was, an, that was a really important moment, every moment. And this moment is important. And so, um, yeah, I just want to encourage people like wherever you are in your journey, like you're in the right place, you know, you're in the right place. And just know that you are, I think, on a path towards an inve- inevitable bliss that we cannot screw up, I think, our eventual, our eventual destination of full knowledge, um, full uh, creativity, full power, full sense of love, uh, full understanding of everything. And so I just think it's a, I think it's a beautiful life. Yeah, that's so lovely. Thank you. Yay.
Thanks, Leslie. Yeah, so uh, I will post everything on ways to get a hold of you, ways to follow you on Facebook and all of those fun ways and uh, so that they can hear more about you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook and share us with your friends.